Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Let's read this together. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have done well. You have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I first came to you, when I departed from Macedonia out of the area, out of the region that uh, Philippi's in, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity not because I desire a gift but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account but I have all and abound for I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you an odor of sweet smell a sacrifice acceptable well pleasing to God and I want us to read verse 19 together but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Father, thank you for this time together that we've been able to gather in this place in obedience to you, uh, Lord, but also because we want to. We don't have to come. Uh, we want to be here. We get to come here. It's our privilege. And so we're grateful to be together. And now, Lord, I pray that you would still our hearts before your word. You said that your word was exalted above your name. Lord, we want to exalt it, and we want to practice reverencing it in such a way, Lord, that we give our full attention to your word. And I pray that you would help us with that this morning. You know the frailties of our minds, uh, the pressures that are upon us. Lord, even the regrets that we might have. Uh, Lord, the things that we have to look forward in the coming week. Uh, Lord, these things that, that might be causing us to be distracted. I pray that you would quiet our hearts before you, that you would quiet us physically in this room, and that you would give us uh, a heart to hear and to heed uh, your voice this morning through your word. And so help us. We do pray for those that might not know you as Savior. I pray that they would come to you by faith today. They would accept you as the one that alone can save them from all of their sins. We'll give you praise for what you do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So we consider this matter of conquerors. We're going to take over the next uh, couple of months uh, just a series of topics in which we can experience the conquering of Jesus Christ in. Remember last week we talked about Jesus has conquered everything. It is our job to trust and obey and to experience in that, that conquering in over every sin, 
or any obstacle that hinders us from obeying the will and the word of Jesus Christ. Our goal this year is really to radically grow our understanding and our experience of that conquering over every sin and every obstacle. So we want to do that, and we want to do that here in this first month of the year in this matter of stewardship. Stewardship, uh, when we talk about it, really has the idea of managing something that does not belong to me. So I'm a steward of something that belongs to someone else, and my job is to better it, to use it for that person's glory, for that um, person's purposes. And so when we talk about personal finances and talk about stewardship, we are recognizing something right off the bat in the very title. We're recognizing this, that what I have have does not belong to me. What I have does not belong to me. I'm managing it for someone else. Did you have strength to get out of bed this morning? Yeah, you did. All right, that strength is God's. You're managing it. You're stewarding that strength for his purposes and for his glory. And so it doesn't belong to you. He can take it from you in an instant. He can take your health in an instant. Just one small little virus can lay you on your back and put you in the hospital and cause a lot of damage in your life. And so we realize our lives are frail. They, they, our health comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. And so we are stewards of those things. And specifically this morning, I want to deal with this matter of stewardship as it relates to our finances. We oftentimes go to these two verses, uh, Philippians 4 in verse number 13, Philippians 4 in verse number 19, and we revel in them. We revel in them without sometimes having the context around them. Let's dwell on that for a little bit. In the book of Corinthians, uh, uh, Paul talked to the Corinthian brethren and and really highlighted the, the offerings and the stewardship of the churches in Macedonia, of which one of those churches would have been this church at Philippi. And so four years before Philippians is written down, he is, he is noting to the Corinthian brethren in a way of using them as an example and saying, hey, I want you to follow their example. Those churches up in Macedonia, I want you to follow their example. And so he just, he just notes the fact that they were, uh, they were very eager to give to the Judean brethren who were going through persecution down in Jerusalem to give an offering to help them in the church there, but also to help the furtherance of the gospel. So as we come to the epistle of Philippians, the letter from Paul to the Philippian church, Paul emphasizes how they had a heart right from the get-go, from the very beginning of the gospel, from the moment they received God, received Jesus Christ, they were partnering with Paul in the gospel in every way, not only in the declaring of it, but also in the support of it. And so their hearts were involved in the gospel ministry, and so therefore also was their, their, um, their, uh, their money was involved, their, their generosity was involved. They involved their hearts completely, they invested generously in the work of God, and that's seen all the way throughout the book of Philippians. In fact, it was the Philippian belief in particular that helped Paul when he was down in Corinth as give us that map would you for a second remember he he traveled through he was uh, he was persecuted in Philippi put in jail he was persecuted over in uh, Thessalonica he uh, met up with the Berean believers they were uh, quite seekers of the of the word then he was brought on by the Berean believers 200 miles down to Achaia to uh, to the area of Athens he uh, ministered there he didn't just stay there for the sites he ministered there and then he went over to Corinth well at that time 
Titus, uh, 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 Silas and uh, uh, Timotheus hadn't yet come down from up in Macedonia. And when they came, they brought down, uh, along with others, they brought down an offering to Paul to help him. Now remember in Corinth, he's tent making with Priscilla and Aquila. And so this particular offering that came from the churches, and specifically uh, one of those churches being Philippi, helped Paul uh, get to the work. When, he came, when this offering came down, he set aside the tent making and he went to the synagogues and began to preach Jesus Christ and that's where we left off in the book of Acts. He really just began to really focus in on the work. His heart was emboldened, the Bible says, and he was encouraged by this offering in the work of the gospel. And so it was the Philippian believers that really focused in on giving and partnering with the gospel in that way. Isn't that encouraging? What, a, what an amazing power that we have to all partner in the gospel ministry, even as we give uh, and are good stewards of what God has given to us. So many times, we have a lot of care, uh, care a lot of concern, worry, anxiety about finances. Are you right? You, you hear me on that one? I mean, it's constant. People are constantly worrying about, uh, about finances. And, you know, God talks to us a lot about that, but even as we have, even as we have considered this, this the, the obstacles that get in our, our way, sometimes our care, our concern, our worry, our anxiety concerning finances can become an obstacle to us obeying the will and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to see that in the lives of the, the Philippian believers. They didn't let it become an obstacle. They trusted and obeyed God, and, and God provided for them. And that's the, 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 the great end of the story. He provided for them. Now, we accept, and I've heard it from many folks this week, via text, phone calls, and, and personal conversations. Hey, pastor, thank you for the vision. We're behind it. We want to be right there in it. But I can tell you this, as we, as we engage forward as a church in the matter of uh, winning souls, making disciples, and preparing for harvest, I can guarantee you this, one of the obstacles that's going to come in the way, yes, our own sin, we got to deal with that. We got to be right with God. But one of the obstacles that will come in the way is, yes, even our own, uh, our own perspective about finances and our stewardship of what God has given us. So here we are at this, at this point where we don't want to be, we don't want to be hindered by our own limitations, our own thought processes. We want to trust and obey God and just realizing that he's going to provide for us as we trust and obey him. It's not an obstacle to him. Your checkbook is not an obstacle to him. Your bank account, what you have or do not have is not an obstacle to God. Not at all. And that is so foreign to our thinking. And this doesn't mean that we live uh, you know, uh, carefree and we just have no regard for, um, for wise stewardship. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. But sometimes God brings us to a point where he says, I need you to do this, and he's given us little resources in that moment. And you say, how can I do this? How can I do this that you're commanding me to do? And he says, take the first step, and I'll prove to you you have everything that you need. I'll prove it. And we see that in the lives of the Philippian believers. And friends, this is something we all grow in because money is very close to our heart, right? And when the pastor begins to preach on money, you know, amens dry up, all that type of stuff, you, you understand? It, it's just a personal, personal thing. We, we struggle with it. But friends, if we'll get on with God, the conqueror will be okay. He's got this. Say that with me. He's got this. He's got your checkbook. He's got it. 
He has the funds that you need. You can pray and you can, you can trust him in that way. And so, uh, yeah, there's inflation and I'm going to just keep on hitting this. Yeah, everyone keeps talking about, you know, how, how bad the times are and how dark the winter is and all these things. But listen, he's got this and he does. He even has all the resources that you need. So how was it that the Philippians experienced the conquering of the Lord Jesus Christ in the area of their stewardship, personal finances, and in their generosity? How was it that they experienced it? So remember, this is four years after they had already given an offering down to the, the believers at Jerusalem. So they've given this offering, and they, they're continuing on in the same spirit. And I want us to know that in Corinthians, Paul deals with the fact that these believers were really facing trials. They're facing a lot of trials. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number, uh, verse number 1, the Bible talks to us about how many trials they were, they were facing. He says, hey, I want you to know, Corinthian believers, I, I want you to pay attention to their example. And he says how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. How in a great trial of affliction, their affliction was a result of them accepting the gospel and also of their commitment to the gospel. Remember, this is the city in which they threw Paul and Silas in jail. The whole city got in an uproar. And so they throw them in jail, and then they try to scoot them out of town secretly. This was the city. And so here it is that they've, they've partnered with the gospel. The Bible talks about uh, Philippians 1 and verse number 27. He says, hey, I want you to make sure that your conversation, your whole lifestyle, your, the way that you relate with the world uh, is, a, is becoming to the gospel, that whether I'm, I'm there or absent, that, that I might hear that you stand fast in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and then he goes into this matter and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which to them is an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God and then he says this for it's given unto you it's given unto you not only to believe on his name but also to suffer for his sake he says so don't be terrified uh, don't be terrified but I know that you're suffering right now because of your your acceptance of the gospel and also your commitment to it they lived in Rome Philippi was, or I shouldn't say they lived in Rome, they lived in a colonia of Rome, which was like an outpost of Rome. So the, the thought process of emperor worship and, and not, not, uh, not going aside to other, you know, not deviating to any other religions, that was a big deal there in Philippi. For them to get on with the gospel was a big deal for them. So they were suffering great affliction, persecution, uh, perhaps boycotting of their shops, their Christian shops, in that, that was not beyond, their, um, beyond the, uh, the, the reach of those cultures to do that. So there was much testing of trial, but yet there was an abundance of joy, and really an overabundance of joy is mentioned here. So their affliction did not hinder their joy. Can we get an amen to that? Their affliction did not hinder their joy. How many times does your affliction hinder your joy? I can tell you right now, there are too many times that affliction hinders my joy. And which goes back to this, I'm not filled with the Spirit like I thought it was, right? Because there's the test. The fruit of the, uh, the Spirit is love, joy, joy. And so there it is, their affliction did not hinder the Spirit, what, uh, their joy. What does this tell us about the Philippians? They were Spirit-filled. They were sensitive to the Spirit of God. And so this was a fruit in their lives. But notice their trial included financial hardship because in verse number 2, 2 Corinthians 8, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. The, they were at an extreme point of poverty. That's the idea of deep, the extreme point. It was, it was beyond degree. It was the highest degree. They, they were so poor. They were paupers. 
They did not have what we have. You and I are of, of like the 7% of the world are as rich and as, as, as materially wealthy as you and I. You have a cell phone, you drive a car, you have a, a, a house, air conditioning, so on. You are like 7% in the world. We cannot identify with what the Philippians were going through. Yet sometimes we think that. But they were poor. They were extremely poor. Uh, this was a state that they had been in for a long time and, and really seems that they, did, they weren't just there four years previous. They were there as well at the writing of the book of Philippians. And so here we have it. They were, they were uh, deeply poor, extremely poor without what they, they, uh, they needed. And so here, here's the amazing thing about that. The Bible says they abounded under the riches of their liberality. In other words, their their generosity, which is the idea of liberality here, their sincerity, they're just, oh, I want to be a help. I want to be a blessing. I want to give to the believers down there in Jerusalem. I want to give to Paul. I want to help out with these different offerings. I, I want to be engaged in this. This generosity is what made them rich. From God's point of view, their generosity, their heart to give is what made them rich before God. And friends, it's not what you have in your bank account, but what you, what you give back to God in accordance with his commands, in accordance with what he's telling you to do. That's what makes us rich in the eyes of God. That's where we're investing in the, in the kingdom of heaven and laying up uh, where uh, uh, moss and rust does not corrupt. And so what's just amazing about this is they had discovered the, the truth, the reality, that man's extremity is God's opportunity. They were going to see God come through in just absolutely amazing ways. And while they were, they were spiritually, they were spiritually healthy, uh, materially, not so much. They were destitute. And they exemplify to us, they exemplify generosity, and that it's not determined by the size of your bank account but it's determined by the attitude of your heart. How many times have we said, I will give if? Well, that wasn't the Philippians. They gave. They gave as God commanded them. Think about the widow versus the Pharisee at the temple. She gives her two mites. They bring in the wheelbarrow loads, and they love the sound of their change going in, right? And, and, and Jesus says, no, that, that lady gave more than everyone. That lady gave more. Why? Because she gave in proportion. What she, she gave it all up. She gave every bit. Every bit to God. And it's an amazing thing how that when we do that, it won't, it won't, uh, it won't, we won't have less. God will take care of us. And I notice in the, in the lives of the, of the Philippians that it, their poverty did not hinder their generosity. It did not hinder it. They did not think, well, I don't have, so I can't give. They gave of what they have. It's interesting as you do a study, and there was a study that was done several years back of America's billionaires, and uh, the man who did the study made this quote, this, this summation. They give less relative to their wealth than the average Americans. They give less per, per, in a percentage. They give less of their income, of their wealth, compared to the average Americans. That's amazing. You think, well, they have it to give. No, it's people like you. It's people like you that, that, that give more percentage in, in proportion than, than even those with billions and billions of dollars. And friends, that's because of God. That's because of God. And God is good to help us with that. So in the midst of their trial, they were generous. 
Now, I want you to notice how they were generous. And this, you cannot, you cannot miss this. This is, this is highly important. They gave themselves. They gave themselves in several ways, but they gave themselves, first of all, to God. They gave themselves to God. And notice how it says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 5, and this they did, not as we hoped, all right, this offering that they sent, but first gave themselves to the Lord. Let's say that together. But first gave themselves to the Lord. One more time. But first gave themselves to the Lord. They did not own themselves anymore. They, They had signed a quit deed. They had turned it over. My life and my possessions, my bank account, does not belong to me anymore. Have you done that? Have you done that? You say, I could never do that. Friends, you're not going to know the joy of God's provision in verse number 19 until you give it all to God. God has a, uh, the, 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 the gold in every mine. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. And he says, hey, just trust me and you'll have everything you, uh, everything you need. And this isn't a health, wealth, and prosperity message. This is simply trust your provider. But many times we, we turn on it and we, we begin to say, no, I'm the provider. I'm the one that's going to provide for my needs. I'm the protector of my life. I'm going to shelter myself. I'm going to hoard. And you know what? We'll always come up short. We'll always come up short because God says, well, if you want to trust yourself, go have it that way. But if you'll trust me, if you'll give it to me, I'll, I'll make sure that you never lack. And the Bible helps us understand that these folks here in, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They committed themselves to the Lord. They dedicated. They trusted entirely. They said, Lord, I'm yours. What I have is yours. Everything that you've given me, I, I give back to you. And so when they gave themselves to the Lord, they in turn gave to the work of the Lord, to the people of the Lord. When God owns you, do you know that he owns your wallet too? God's not after your wallet. God has more money than is in your wallet. Are you with me? He does. You say, my wallet is empty. Well, he has more than you have in your wallet. He has more than you can put on a card. He has more. He is not lacking today. His his riches are eternal and limitless. And so when God owns you is what he really wants. He owns your wallet too, and he will take care of you. They gave their own selves to the Lord and then unto us by the will of God. Notice all this happened by the will of God. Jesus is calling us. He says, whosoever shall lose his life um, for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. We so many times try to hoard onto our life, hoard onto our resources, and God says, just give it to me. And when you give it to me, there will always, always be enough. I will take care of you so when they gave themselves to god they immediately in turn practiced that by giving to others not only to the people at jerusalem but also to paul and to the gospel and to the necessities so they gave to paul's necessities uh back in our passage in verse number 10 uh, philippians 4 we find that he says but i rejoice in the lord greatly that now at the last here at this last your care for me have flourished again your care your regard the idea of care is that they were thinking on him. They, they couldn't get him off their mind. Uh, we might call this a burden. I'm just burdened for that. I heard about this need. I'm just burdened about that. And so they could not get him off the mind. And so they, 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 
flourished in their care, they were revived, or uh, the word blossom, like a, a flower opening up. We have these flowers at home that aren't out now, obviously, but uh, in the springtime and pretty much through the whole summer and even getting towards the winter, they, uh, I don't know what they're called. I'm not, a, I'm not a very good gardener, but they, every morning they open up beautiful purple flowers and then they close up at night, open up, and they blossom, all right? So here's the idea. Their care just opens up. They hear about the need of the Apostle Paul, about the need of the gospel down there in Athens and Corinth, and, uh, and so they just blossom in their care. Now, all that being said, this is their care towards a, a servant of God. I want us to realize the perspective that we all should have about money is the perspective that Paul had and exemplified in the next several verses. Verses 11 through 13, Paul's attitude towards money, he was content in every circumstance. He says, I've learned to be content. I've learned, and the idea, the word content is a little bit, um, a little bit associated with the idea of, 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 of self-sufficient. I, I, you know, I, I'm fine. I, I've learned to be content. I don't need anything else in order to be grateful. That's a blessed place to be. And many times we're not there, are we? Not as Americans. We have so much and we, we are so discontent. We always want the next thing. And, uh, you know, uh, we're not too far off from sometimes what children are. They, you know, they open up their toys on Christmas and then they're, they're already putting things on their wish list for their birthday. You know what I'm saying? Right? But we're not that far off. We just have a, a bank account where we can do something about it with. All right? And so there's, there, is, there is a need to be content. His attitude towards them, as he is complimenting them for their, their generosity, he's saying, now, hold on, I, I've learned to be content in every situation. So I'm not coming to you to try to badger you, uh, to, to get an offering out of you. In fact, he, he says that. I, I'm not desiring a gift. I, I want you to be a part of what God is doing in the gospel, but I want you to know that I am content in every state. God will take care of it. God, God has me. He has he has this. He, he, he's got this. And so he's content in every circumstance, but he was adaptable in crisis. Paul knew how to tighten the belt. We don't like tightening the belt. I was filling up gas yesterday. We don't like tightening the belt, do we? No. No, we don't like to see prices raising and, and all these things going up. We, and, and we're having to, but you know what, friends? Right now, we need to have the attitude of Paul we're going to adapt to crisis without complaint and without, without setting aside our, our discipleship, without setting aside the things of God, without saying, well, you know, God led us to this in, you know, that uh, last year in, in 2020, but, you know, it's a different time now, and, and so we're just going to not focus on that anymore. Do you, do you know, I, 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 I cannot get over the fact how many churches have stalled in the water. And, and not only God's people stalling in the water, just stopping doing the things of God, but friends, churches that have given up on pursuing after God and his plans for this time. And it's not good. We cannot do that. If we do, we will die. I, I guarantee that. 
And I don't, want, I don't want God to shut the doors of this place because we've said, you know what, that was possible in 2020 before, but not now. No, no, no. Uh, they, they didn't have that heart. They flourished right then. And Paul was adaptable in the crises. He says, you know what, I'm going to adapt. Right now I might have to tighten it up a little bit, but I know at other times when God blesses and the, and, and the funding is there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know how to be a good steward of that as well. I'm going to know how to, to get along with that as well. So you know what? What's amazing is sometimes we're, we're, we're good and spiritual inside of times of need, but not so good and spiritual inside of times of plenty. And both, both are really a walk of faith, learning how to abound in both times. Paul adapted to, unto crisis and outside of crisis in verse number 12, and he trusted in Jesus. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, we, we apply that verse. Football players put it right here. Friends, I understand that God's going to help, help us, but uh, he's not referring to football right here. Are you with me? The context of this, I'm not saying we can't apply it in other places, but the direct context of this is in times of saying, God, I am yours, everything I have belongs to you, and because I'm trusting in you, I know that I can do all things through you. I can conquer because of you. I'm telling you how many times that, that you know, Hallmark and those type of organizations have made a lot of money off of Philippians 4.13. And sometimes it's nothing more than a little bit of whooped up emotionalism. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, I got this. No, that's pride, that's arrogance. That's exactly what we talked about last week at the end. I'm a conqueror or he, I'm a conqueror through him. I've got this or he's got this. And the whole idea of this verse in its context is, yeah, I can do all things through Christ because I'm trusting in him. I totally belong to him. Everything I have belongs to him. We must have that in context, and especially as we consider our finances. I can do all things through Christ. Am I obeying him? Have I given it all to him? Am I tithing to him? Am I giving offerings as he tells me to? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to bless that person with a, with, a, uh, with a gift right now because I don't see it. I don't see it in my resources, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so that's the idea of this. They had supported Paul when he was in prison in Acts 16. Uh, ministering to him in his affliction, communicating to him, participating with him in there. So I don't know if they were giving meals to him when he was in prison to, uh, uh, to Paul and Silas that night. Well, let's send over a meal. I don't know if, uh, what exactly they were doing, but it seems that while he was there and being afflicted, they were ministering, and even financially they were ministering. Verse 15, uh, at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, down in, down in Achaia, you were giving. You didn't just do it once, but you did it once and again, and you're just continuing to do it. And Paul kept a proper focus about money in all of this. He's praising them, but he keeps a proper focus. I'm content. I can adapt in crisis. I can, I can do all things through Christ. I'm trusting Christ uh, through every situation, and that's the exact spirit that we need to have. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a fact, and that's a promise. Our job is to seek first. His job is to add all these things unto us. And so God used the Philippian believers to, uh, to bless Paul and to encourage him, to help him, uh, and to help him in the gospel. And so while Paul is... Well, Paul is complimenting them. He also wants them to understand this is my view about money. And that ought to be our view as well. I want to just say this. Um, you know, as you gave back at, at Christmas time, and there's, there's much giving that, uh, that happens here, and praise the Lord for what he is doing in this, in this place. Praise the Lord for generosity. Uh, that, 
that is a work of God in our hearts. But particularly, I, I, just, I think one of the, the things that we ought to praise God for and uh, know that God enabled us to do was the Christmas offering, to double the Christmas offering um, for the first time in, in my, my memory uh, being doubled. And so I just received this week uh, from one of our missionaries, Dear Praying Friends, we want to thank you for the generous Christmas gift that you sent. It helped provide some financial needs. May God bless you for your gen generous spirit. We pray for you as well, especially during these trying times. May God bless our efforts for him in 2022 in Christ, Sean and Penny Clapp. And uh, I, I received that and thought, you know what? That's exactly, they didn't write an epistle, but they wrote a little note just saying, hey, you, you touched us. You know what? You might not think, think it was a, a big deal, but your generous spirit at that time made a difference in people's hearts, in missionaries' hearts. It, it, it gave them a lift. It was something they didn't expect, and it gave them a lift. And, and so uh, God knows all that, and, and maybe you gave sacrificially. Isn't that a blessing, to know how God uses that? Praise the Lord. And so they gave themselves to, to God. They gave to the care and the, uh, of the necessities of Paul, but they gave to partnering in the gospel, uh, verses 16 through 18. Uh, for your fellowship in the gospel, he says, uh, in the first part of the book, for your fellowship in the gospel, but also notice Philippians 4, verse 16, then uh, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. And so here's what he's saying. I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, trying to bludgeon you for a, for a gift. I'm just desiring that fruit would abound to your account. I want to continue to partner for the gospel. One thing I really appreciate when missionaries uh, come through. I, I, you know, I get calls from missionaries all the time and needing, and, uh, needing support to get to the field. And boy, it would be nice if we just had an endless supply, but you know, we just need to be faithful to the Lord, obey what he says to do, obey what he, uh, who he says to take on or who he says to increase. But I, I so appreciate the missionaries that have a good perspective on this, and they come through and say, listen, we really need prayer support. If you're able to, to support us financially, we would be really blessed by that, but uh, we really just need prayer support, and, and where they have a right view of money as, as well, and so it, it's the same here. It's, we we want to partner, you know, we want to partner together. That's our real desire, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get money out of you, I'm not trying to uh, suck money out of you. I, I, I'm just trying to, I want to partner together with you. And that's what Paul said uh, to these believers. We, I'm so grateful to be able to partner with you. Their partnership, I want you to notice quickly that their partnership was repeated. It happened once and again. It was free will. They gave uh, uh, unto my necessity, not because I desire, not because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm coming in and, and, and seeking a gift, uh, but it was free will. They gave, a, uh, they gave a gift. It was a gift. It, it didn't have strings attached. Uh, it was enough. Paul says, I'm full after having received of Epaphroditus the things that you sent. They were, they were just a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm full. I'm, I'm so satisfied. It was enough. It really encouraged me. It helped me along. And it was sacrificial. It was acceptable. And it was well-pleasing to God as a sacrifice. And so all these things, as they gave of what they had, and they might said, oh, this isn't much. It's just a little bit. It's not going to meet the whole need. But God took it, and he blessed it, and he used it for the furtherance of the gospel and for the, uh, the partnership with the gospel. So here we have it that their heart um, really was in the work of the gospel and their finances followed. I want us to catch something that's very important. The Bible talks to us about that. How do you develop a heart? How do you develop a heart for, um, for the gospel, for Christ, for the things of God? Where do you put your money? 
Uh, someone, someone said this, that uh, our checkbooks, and I know we don't have checkbooks, so our bank statement, whatever, can tell us everything about us. It's, it's, it's the greatest biography of our lives. And sometimes the reason that our hearts, you know, we, we prove it. We, we don't put our treasure in the things of God, so our heart isn't there. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 20, uh, 6 and verse 21, for where your treasure is, where you deposit, where you invest it, there will your heart be also. So it's not saying where your heart is, then your, your treasure is going to be there. It, it's saying put your treasure and your heart's going to follow it. And here's what happens. They, they, they're coming along and they see this need and so they, they, they give to it and their heart just follows it. They can't even get Paul off the mind. They can't get the gospel work off their mind. Their heart is following where they're investing and that's so important for us just to realize and to practice in our own lives. And so let's give ourselves and all that we have to partnering in the, in the gospel. Let's, let's be like them, fellowshipping in the gospel. Let's, let's get behind it. And so even as we talk about the vision of our, our church, let's get behind it and let's invest in it as God, as God says. Remember, they gave of their free will, and that's still how we give. You don't give to, um, to please anybody else. You don't give to be seen of anybody else. You give of your free will. It's free will offering. So we give in our tithes. God asks that of us in, uh, in the book of Malachi and just throughout the Bible, even before the law. God is, is, uh, states that tithes were given to, to support his work. And, and so we give of our tithes, the 10% uh, of our income. We give that back to God. But then he says uh, of offerings as well. And so as we give those back to God, those free will offerings, but we are able to partner in, uh, in the gospel. And I think about just even some of the needs that were mentioned last Sunday night. Uh, yes, it'll take funds, but it, uh, God has the funds, and we can see God provide as we all obey, trust and obey him with what he has given to us. Later on this year, and we'll talk more about this, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll take a sacrifice offering uh, to help um, move some things ahead that, um, that, that are on the, uh, the agenda and just uh, to continue to pr prepare this place and uh, our ministry for, uh, for the harvest and, and just continuing to move forward uh, as a church. And so as we look toward that together, our heart should be, Lord, what, what do you want me to give? What, how do you want me to be a part of it? And, and let me invest in that and let me, let me be a part of that. And friends, what you invest in your heart is just going to be all about. Your heart's going to be all about. Amen? Amen. I think about with our missionaries last year, uh, $61,713 was given to our 39 missionaries. You know, at mission weeks, uh, some of you increased that. You said, God's touching my heart to increase. And so as the Lord did that, uh, he's going to bless as you in that free will way. He's going uh, to bless and encourage you. And I want to encourage us to continue to be faithful in those, in those commitments to the Lord, their commitments to the Lord. And so uh, in these ways, we, we partner here and around the world. We partner with the message of the gospel, just like the Philippians did. And, and God would bless that. You know, one man said it this way, the, the church that gives to its missionaries will uh, have its own needs supplied. If we take care of the gospel, God will take care of the needs. And friends, let's have that heart in everything we do. Even as we consider this year, how can I bless the missionaries that I've adopted? How can I bless them and encourage them? And so here are the Philippian believers. They faced trials. They gave themselves to God, to, to the necessities of Paul and to caring for that, to the, to the work of the gospel and caring and partnering in the, in the gospel. But I want us to notice what God did for them. 
Let's be inspired by this. Verse number 18, God did some wonderful things for them as they, as they obeyed God. As they sacrificed to God, God did wonderful things for them. Let's read verse 19 out loud again together. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, that's a promise. And God's promises can be taken to the bank. They're dependable. He does not renege on his promises. All the promises of God are yea and amen. Yeah. That's a promise. And I want you to notice they received a blessing. What was that blessing? The promise of God. The promise of God. Friend, if we still own our possessions, we still own our lives, I'm just going to say something here that we need to really catch. This promise isn't for us. This promise is given to those who said, I'm a steward, everything I have belongs to you, and I will trust and obey you. So here's what happens in our mindset, in our popular Christianity. We go and claim a promise like this. We throw this promise around. God's going to supply all your need. And we don't, we don't, and have not given ourselves over to God, and we have not given our finances over to God. You cannot claim that promise. And you say, well, why doesn't it work? Perhaps because you haven't started the first, they first gave themselves. They first gave themselves to God. Here I am. Lord, what do you want us to do? Meet Paul's need. Amen. We don't have the resources. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And so God is amazing in, in that way, uh, in, in doing it. And friends, I've seen time and time again where God has brought in and blessed and where, boy, I didn't, I didn't think I could, but God has brought in and blessed and, and, and enabled, uh, enabled giving, given something, and, and sometimes, you know, Lord, you gave it here, and then he gives me a need. Uh, it's right here. And so it's just amazing how God, uh, God has, has, uh, does that for us. He will supply all of our needs. That's the promise of God. He tells all the, the, the number of the stars, all their names. Can he not provide for our needs? That's the God, the eternal existent God, self-existent God. He's the one who's saying, I'm going to provide for your needs. If you'll trust me, if you'll obey me, I'll supply, I'll fully fill it up. I'm going to fill up your container. You'll have everything that you need, all your needs, everything. He says, not just some of them, but all your needs. I love what Malachi says uh, in in Malachi 3 and verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Well, that's an interesting question. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But you say, uh, you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, God says. And here's what he says. You, you're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. There's a, a consequence. There's, there's dearth in your life because you've robbed me. Even this whole nation, he said, to the Israelites. So here's what God gives as a solution. Bring ye all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, that there might be lights, that there might be tracks printed, that there might be, and go on, that there might be uh, sustenance in my house, uh, that there might be meat there, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you individually the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that ye, there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's God. So as we give to God, he says, I will give to you, and you will not even be able to receive it. I'll fill it up all the way. I'll fill it up for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to lack. All your need, every bit of your need is going to be provided according to the riches and glory, his riches and glory. Listen, he owns a cattle on a a thousand hills and much more riches that are in heaven. He says they're all at your disposal as you trust and obey me, as you give yourself and your your finances to me by Christ Jesus, the one who loved us and we, we cannot be separated from his love. Wow. Wow. 
All this happened through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if he took care of your spiritual, eternal need, he can take care of your physical, temporal need. He can and he will every time if we trust him. He will. J.L. Kraft, the, uh, the one who patented processed cheese, cheese whiz, macaroni, yada, yada. He said this, the only investment I ever made which pay, has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. Interesting. Interesting. So they found blessing in the promise of God, but one more thing, they found blessing in achieving their purpose. Achieving their purpose. Notice verse number 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Paul says to all this. As I look on your situation, your story, praise God, all glory to God. I know this isn't something that you've done. This is all glory goes to God. That's the idea. The response of Paul to what he has seen and what he's writing down about the Philippian believers is all glory to God. Their lives brought glory to God. And friends, that is the purpose of our lives. That is the purpose of your life. Uh, for people to look on and say, well, that didn't happen through them. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so the, the Westminster Catechism says it well. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, right? That's very, very true. That is our chief purpose. And so as people look on their lives, looked on their lives, they saw this didn't, this didn't happen. They're poor. They're so poor. They don't even have enough for their, their necessities. And, and, yet, and yet God is blessing through them. God is giving through them. That's an amazing thing. All glory to God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when we give generously, when we give generously in obedience and trust towards God, we glorify him. We glorify him. We show his ability. We show his generosity. We show his sacrificial love. And friends, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to be, just like the Philippian believers. They had an obstacle in their way. Well, we can't do that. We can't do that. We're limited on our resources. No, no, no. We're not limited on his resources. Our resources are his. We're not limited on his. We'll give knowing that he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. And God provided for their needs. They had suffering and poverty in their way, but yet they gave themselves to God. They did not allow those things to be an obstacle. They, they saw Christ's victory and triumph in, in the area of their finances, and God blessed them. God encouraged, uh, encouraged them with his promises and with what he was doing in their life. So it's in that context that God promises to meet our needs. I, I, if you walk away with nothing less, remember that it's in that context. And my question to you is, have you given over everything to him like they did? They gave themselves, and then along with giving themselves, everything they had was, uh, was God's. In that context, God promised. God promised. Are you, are you, are you stepping into the, the reality of that promise right now in your life? Is everything in your life belong to God? Have you signed a quit deed? I no longer own myself. I no longer own my bank account. I no longer own my car. I no longer own my... By the way, parents, you want your kids to take care of the car? Right? You can say, hey, take care of God's car. This is God's house. Take care of it. Clean up your room. This is God's house. Right? Uh, we can talk... I mean, th this is right where it gets down to. Everything we have belongs to God. Hey, today's a day to sign that quit deed. Today's the day to sign it over to God. I transfer ownership. It's all God's. 
It's all God's. And you can be guaranteed you will be blessed by God. You will have his promise, and he will fulfill your purpose in glorifying him. I want to close with this illustration. Hudson Taylor, uh, many of you know, was a missionary to China. And uh, tight times, uh, he really blazed a lot of trails as far as a missionary. Um, when he got there, he did some bivocational uh, work. He was an assistant for a doctor. Uh, the doctor said, I'll, I'll pay you. If I ever forget, just remind me. But Hudson Taylor, like a George Mueller, had a bit of an agreement with God that he wasn't going to talk to others about money. He would just pray to God about it. And so uh, they came for his salary to be paid. It wasn't paid. It was forgotten. And he went on, and he's really getting down to the wire. He had rent due and so on. And so he just had a, a half of a crown, which was, would have been the old, uh, old uh, United Kingdom um, uh, Britain uh, money. And so I don't know exactly how much that is worth, but he had a half of a, a crown left. And, and so he had this, this, one, this one coin that he was, he was caring about, intending to, to care for his own uh, food needs, as well as uh, the rent was coming up, so he really wanted to be tight on it. So, uh, so he, he meets this guy who is very, very destitute there in, uh, there in China. Uh, his family was sick. His wife was sick. She had just given birth, and they were without food, and it was really just a, a, a difficult situation. That man had asked the priest to come and uh, minister and pray with him, but the priest wanted 18 pence to come, and the man was super offended by that just because, you know, I'm asking for spiritual help right now, and this priest is wanting money. And uh, so uh, he asked Hudson Taylor to come and, and pray in their home. And so Hudson Taylor goes to their home and goes up uh, a, a dark court and into uh, up some rickety sh uh, stairs. And he uh, comes into this room, and it's very dimly lit. And there is a, a baby that's only 36 hours old. The mother uh, is uh, on the bed, and she's, uh, she's you know, kind of moaning. There's four or five children around that, were, uh, that are hungry. And when Taylor saw the need of this poverty, he thought to himself, boy, if I just add uh, a couple more shillings, boy, I, I would just love uh, to give to this, to this family. And so he's having this conversation in his mind, uh, um, not with God at this point. He's having this conversation in his mind. And then uh, he tried to tell them, you know what? Our, we have a loving Heavenly Father who's going to take care of your needs. He's going to take care of your needs. And as he's saying this, he's just being rebuked in his heart because he's thinking, hold up, I have this coin in my pocket, yet I'm telling them God's going to meet their needs, and I see this poverty, children without food, and, and so on. And so he, uh, he, he knelt to pray, but his conscience troubled him so bad. How could he pray as I'm withholding help from these people who God has put in front of me? And so uh, he, uh, he right then and there just commits to obeying the Lord. I'm going to give this hole and he he kind of haggled with the lord for a little bit uh you know should I, you know how can i give half i wish i could give less than on this whole thing but he really just finally submitted to the lord trusted him and obeyed him and said i'm going to give it all and right there in his heart he won a great uh, great victory and was happy there was a sense of relief in his heart and so uh just as he did this uh he was reminded of the ver uh, the words give and it shall be given unto you so the next day he's at his at his apartment still rent is coming due uh, he doesn't have the, um, the resources for this. And he, uh, he opens up the mail. And as he opens up the mail, inside this envelope, there was, a, um, there was some, uh, a, a pair of gloves. And then there was this, this, uh, this coin. Uh, and what was interesting about this coin is it was five times the amount that he had given away. Now, that coin had gone through the mail system. It had been en route for a long time. But it was on that day, the next day, that he realized 
the provision of God. Friends, only as he trusted and obeyed God. And I'm just saying here this morning, we struggle so much with this, and we forget that we have a God who's already conquered our every need. It, it, it's all taken care of. We simply must trust and obey him. And he wants us to conquer over every sin and over every obstacle that hinders us from doing the will and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, fully obeying it. So I don't know what that, that specifically relates to in your life, but friends, I know, I know it's going to start here. Have you given yourself and all that you have completely to God? Have you given yourself and all that you have completely to God? And let's talk to the Lord about that right now. Would you bow with me in prayer? The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured again. How much you give out is how much God is going to uh, take care of you. He will not be indebted to you. This morning, as you consider the message, I would encourage you, if you've never done this before, to talk to God and sign that quit deed, sign that transfer of ownership. Lord, who I am, all that I have, it belongs to you. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to me. What you tell me to do with my finances, with my time, with my life, I will do. Why? Because I don't belong to myself. Friends like the Philippians, like Hudson Taylor, we will experience the triumph of Christ in our stewardship as we choose to trust and obey God, no matter how it looks financially. When we trust and obey God, knowing he will supply our every need. Father, would you help us now as we just commit these things to you? I pray for believers who this morning need to commit everything to you. They need to give themselves over to you. They need to give their finances over to you. Everything they need to transfer over to you. And I pray that you give them the grace to do that. And pray that you give them the faith to do that. Help them, I pray, in Jesus' name. How many of you would say this morning with an upraised hand, and God spoke to me specifically in the message today, I am, the Lord touched me about this matter of giving everything I am and everything I have to him and signing that transfer over to him. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You might consider, friends, writing down in the front of your Bible that decision. In fact, you might consider writing it down here at this passage if you write in your Bible. You might just attach it to today. And I'd encourage you to share that decision with somebody else. Not to brag, but simply just to announce what God is doing in your life. I'll give you an opportunity to pray. Let's stand to our feet. If you'd like to come to the altar and just pray and commit that, I'll give a physical motion to the decision you're making this morning. I'd encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you to say, come to this altar. Symbolically, however, however it works for you, but just commit it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this all over. I encourage you to pray right now. The altar is open, and I encourage you to pray. true steward sees himself the true steward sees himself as one who belongs to God and everything that he has belongs to God I'd encourage you to testify of this if you have a testimony of God's provision in your life as you've honored him and obeyed him 
Yeah, I'd encourage you to come to me. Let me know that our church would be benefited by your testimony. And I'd encourage you to share that so that we can all grow forward in this matter of stewardship for the Lord's glory. This morning, you might need to simply commit to the Lord. You're going to start, you're going to start tithing. You're going to start giving back to God what he's, he's told you to give. Say, I go to church and all churches talk about money. This is between you and God. I don't look at your financial giving. I don't see that. It's between you and God. And friends, I learned a long time ago that I better obey God and started giving back to God. And I'm thankful for a father that, that taught me that, that lesson. Then as time goes on, as, as spiritual maturity uh, goes and just grow in Christ, it begins to burden the heart. You need to give to missions. You need to give to the building. You need to give to that need. Give to that person. And, and these free will offerings come up. If we obey God in our tithes and our offerings, we can't expect him to fulfill that, that verse right there in Philippians 4, verse 19. My God will supply all your need. Our Father, help us this morning. I pray that we would grow as a, as a church. Would you help us to be a giving church? Help us to be generous. I thank you for uh, what you have already done in our hearts this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would just have this heart uh, to grow forward. And we'll give you praise for what you do in this place and through us. And all glory be to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.